Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. Welcome to The Literate Patient. This is Melissa Stewart. Um, I'm flying solo today. Joni Aldrich, Joni Aldrich won't be with us today. She had um, other plans that she had to take care of, so she has set me loose to visit with y'all. Thank you so much for joining in, and I hope that you will enjoy today's um, show. I hope that you're having good weather on this May 9th, wherever you are. It's raining terribly where I am, but let's make this a very good show and cheer those up that are maybe having the same weather that I'm having. Uh, we have a very great host today, a very great guest today. Sorry about that. Um, her name is Susan Shear. Susan is the founder and CEO of RN Cancer Guides. Um, I have heard wonderful things about Susan and had a moment to actually speak with her. Very energetic. I think she's going to be a great guest, and I know she's going to share a wealth of knowledge with us. So without further ado, I'd like to go ahead and introduce Susan Shear. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. And it's actually sunny down here in Florida. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm jealous because in Louisiana, <laughs> the gators are happy. That's it. <laughs> But yes, thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, we're glad to have you. And um, I have to ask, I'm sure the audience is waiting to hear, what are Cancer Guides? Well, RN Cancer Guides was started, I'm an oncology nurse, and um, saw patients falling through the cracks and, and struggling with their cancer diagnosis. And so RN Cancer Guides is a firm that hires only oncology certified nurses to help patients that come down with cancer and family members that take care of them navigate every aspect of their diagnosis, whether it's medical barriers, financial, or emotional. We get in there and we are the nurse in the family. So we attend physician's visits. We um, get all the medical records and compare it to the gold standard of care. If they're wanting to look for clinical trials, we'll find those. We'll make sure all the doctors are speaking to each other. We organize the records. We go over and, and get nutrition consults or whatever, you name it. If we, if we need to look for complementary alternative therapies, we'll do that, which is evidence-based. But we are strictly beholden to that patient. And our thought is, you know, with, with people going into court, they have attorneys. And when people have somebody work on their car, they have people that are experienced in mechanics to work on their car. Well, we feel that nobody should go through a cancer diagnosis, which is like being put on a whole other planet, without having somebody there to navigate them through every aspect of their care. And that's what we do. Awesome. Well, so y'all are basically navigators, because I've heard the term navigators. I've even trained a few navigators. The uh, difference for y'all is that your, um, your company is just, it's, RNs. You have to be a registered nurse to be a cancer guide with your company. 
Um, that and that all of our nurses are oncology certified nurses besides having the okay. RN degree. Um, the biggest difference where navigation is more used as an institutionalized term, um, most of your navigators are within cancer facilities or, um, you know, radiation oncology. What happened was about 20 years ago, um, Harold Freeman um, got involved with patient advocacy being up in Harlem. He was a physician that saw late-stage breast cancer and thought if we reach out to the community, then we'll be able to make a difference and reduce these numbers, which actually happened. So navigation was kind of born back then, but about five years ago, it got to be a big topic, especially in breast. There's a lot of funding with the Susan G. Komen, and um, most of your navigators, about 79% of them, are in breast. So it wasn't until probably about a year and a half ago that the American College of Surgeons came down and said, you know what, to be certified to do surgery in a facility, you need to have a navigation system. So that kind of took off, but there wasn't a uniform way of doing it. There's no national certification until the Oncology Nursing Society said, well, we do have one, they're called OCN. And that's why those are the only nurses that, that we provide. Now, those okay. navigators being in a facility, there isn't any navigators that are outside that specializes in cancer. So, for example, we might have a patient that gets their surgery in one hospital, but they're getting radiation and chemotherapy in another facility. So we're orchestrating all that. And a lot of our nurses, we know our community resources. So, for example, I have nurses in Miami. They know all the physicians. They know different clinics that offer discounts. Um, they know, for example, even here in Tampa, we have a peripheral neuropathy clinic that treats patients for free. So it's knowing all your community resources, and we go into the home. And one of the things that we did, which is a little bit different at RN Cancer Guides, um, is that we started the first employee cancer assistance program to ever exist. And what that is, like an EAP program where, where employers offer mental health or they, they offer um, legal services, right now they can offer our services to employees that come down with cancer, someone in their family 18 and over, and we also include the parents. So we take care of that whole caregiving issue where, you know, people are afraid they can't leave work, they're worried they're going to lose their job, but they got to take care of mom and dad and who's going to be at the doctor's appointment because if we call mom, she's going to say, all I have to do is take a pill and I'm fine, don't worry about me, when we know that there's more going on. And um, so we get very involved. I think that is absolutely awesome, especially the employee program. I've never heard of that before. I mean, I know that we have a lot of health programs that companies are doing because, of course, if they can – decrease the uh, time that you're away. They don't have to pay for somebody to fill that time as well as if you're healthy, your premiums are less. So, you know, there's a lot of incentives there for the employer themselves. But I can definitely see where this employee program would also increase your productivity because when you're at work, you're really at work and you can give them your all. But when, you know, you've got cancer that you're dealing with in your family or self, then you're not really at work when you're at work. You're still focused on this big C that's looming around and you're having to deal with that. So I think that's an awesome concept. So I have to ask, are y'all national? Um, currently we're in Florida. The thought is okay. to extend outside of the state um, within the next year. A lot of our patients are, are transient patients. They're seasonal. Um, mm -hmm. They might live down here six months of the year. So in a sense, do we are we outside of the state? Yes, because what we do is when People come down here for the, the winter, so to speak. You certainly don't come down here for the summer, right? <laughs> you come down here for the winter, and you're having your care, your oncology care taken. Well, then what we can do is we make sure that it's seamless going back home. So we're mm -hmm. always in constant communication with the, the physician, you know, at the other end and that office and making sure that they're aware of what the counts look like and what the scans look like and when the next chemo dose is supposed to be given. So we actually work in conjunction, or maybe it's time, you know, where our hospice gets involved, and we might have family come down here sooner and say, you know what, I think it's a good time to come down and, and you know, bring them home, and we orchestrate all that. So, so do you continue to connect whenever they go back home, and or do you turn them over to other navigators or other guides? We continue to connect. Um, okay. 
and it really it, it's an all gamut, all phases. Um, you know, ideally it would be great to be involved in the very beginning, but sometimes we don't have that, and sometimes it's a matter of us coming in towards the end, and we're family. You know, they're hearing from the physician. Oh, let's just get them a little bit better so they can do, you know, nine more rounds of, of radiation. And the patient is on a stretcher. <laughs> so the family is like, well, we don't want to give up because the doctor says we should do this. And sometimes we get a call from different agencies saying, can you go in and talk to them? And it's a matter of sitting down and after doing the research and saying to them, you know, you have done everything you possibly could and don't have any guilt. And, you know, what would he have wanted? Um, we had one gentleman that was had aphasia, which means it was expressive aphasia. He couldn't say what he wanted to say. And it was very frustrating. A very, very intelligent man because there's nothing to do with your IQ. It's just what happened. And, right. It's neurological. Um, exactly. And he, they said, you know, he wouldn't want to be where he is right now. He'd want to be home. And so I said, well, go ahead, take him home. I go, but you can talk to him. Just have him sing. And they're like, sing? <laughs> I said, have him sing because he'll say what he wants to say. And so they were able to communicate. It's like, Mel, tell us, why does somebody who stutters really bad actually sound really good when he sings? Because it's the other part of the brain. That is so, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's just those, those little things that are important. What was important was to have him home around his family and to communicate. And, uh, you know, it's sad, but, you know, patients, cancer patients, the average time spent in hospice is 8.7 days. And it's, that's horrible. And It really is because a lot of patients do better once they get into hospice. They do, and they have palliative programs. It isn't right. just, you know, you can graduate from hospice. <laughs> yes, can, you can. You can be in and out. Right. You Your know, discharge doesn't have to be to the skies. Absolutely. Exactly. I agree with you. I agree. I now, um, such a bad name. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And people are just like scared of it. And they really shouldn't be because we're finding that you can, especially a lot of chronic illness individuals, we're finding that when they flip over into hospice, sometimes they get better, a lot mm -hmm. better. So, um, you and know, sometimes it, that are, there's services that are provided that couldn't have been paid for by the insurance company. For example, you might have a hospice provider that provides palliative radiation um, for pain. Maybe there's a metastatic disease or there's a, a, a tumor in the spine that's causing back pain. And hospice will pay for that. I mean, they don't even realize the benefit that they have. Well, you know, I think that there's a lot of things out there, and that's one of the things we're trying to do with this program is to get the word out, ways that can empower people to be able to maximize their health by knowing where to go, who to access, what's out there for you. So I agree with you. I think that hospice has gotten a very bad rap, and I've seen some wonderful things ha happen in hospice care, including a peaceful death a death that was the choice of the family and the uh, patient themselves. But I've also seen people graduate, as you said, um, yeah. to better health on the yeah. other side of their time in hospice. So I, I agree with you. Now, I have to ask, you mentioned payment source when you were talking about hospice. So who actually pays for your services? Our services are currently, they're either private or the corporations pay for them. Um, our third program that we've actually developed is called, is called the Patient Medication Compliance Program. And that is actually to provide education to patients that are getting oral chemotherapy. And we are actually trying currently to work with a couple different pharmaceutical companies to jump on board with that. There's also a non-for-profit that we're getting involved with, um, the American Breast Cancer Foundation, and working on some grants to provide services to patients who can't afford um, our services. And, and to be honest, you know, even though our services are 10, 15, 20 hours, um, for example, you know, our 10 hours is $1,800, but we stretch that out. And then for 15 hours, it's 2,500. And then for 30 hours, it's 3,000 or for 20 hours, it's $3,000. So it gets cheaper then it's 149 an hour, but we stretch that out. Uh, we don't charge for phone calls. We don't charge for emails. And the patients actually get money back because, for example, if we have a patient that's starting Temadar, 
which is $4,000 a month, and we get them free drug for a year, or whether we are able to access disability for them or keep them out of the hospital and reduce costs. Um, even on our corporate program, our return of investment is about 400%. So we, we provide a, a service that actually pays for itself over and over again. I mean, just a plane ticket for a family member to come down and be with their loved ones. Um, I, I kind of compare it to the other day. I paid $3,200 for my son's braces. So that's braces. I can't imagine <laughs> paying for my life. You know, I, absolutely. There is no fee. There's not enough to capture that. Absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's all relative, really. Um, it's, it's just one of those things. But I have to, I mean, all of our patients, they're part of our, they feel like part of our family. Um, everybody had said, you know, if, if I had to decide to take, between taking a weekend trip somewhere or my life, you know, it's, it would definitely be this. Absolutely. Well, um, I also want to, uh, ask, uh, do y'all have age ranges that you take? I mean, do you go all the way down into the pediatrics or? Not yet. We're 18 and up. So we haven't started our pediatrics 18 and up. Mm -hmm. Okay. And And do you have a website? Yes, go ahead. It's www.rncancerguides.com. And you probably haven't heard the term guide so much when it comes to cancer. Like you said, you heard navigation. Um, Uh Even when it came to naming the company, I didn't want navigation as far as, you know, like I said, it's institutionalized and it's confusing because of the healthcare exchange. They're navigators who are selling it. And I didn't want advocates because we didn't want to come in looking adversarial when we work with physicians. And I have to tell you, the physicians have been so welcoming and overwhelmingly supportive. Um, It's been phenomenal. And so that's why we chose the word guide, because we are, you know, here to basically hold your hand, get you through it. We don't need to point out everything that's wrong with the system. We just want to make sure everybody's fine going through it. And, Absolutely, uh, I, I I think that's uh, that's really good because I like I loathe the term coach. It's over it's overused. <laughs> there, you know, you could quit your job at uh, I don't know Sam's today and say you're a life coach and be out there coaching people. And um, so you know, there's no. Um, national certification that's like regulated and required. There's no board that limits the use of it. So I I understand what you're saying because anybody can just use the term and they're out there doing it. And um, so I do like the term guide because it shows support, but yet independence at the same time. So I think you did a good job on that. And again, that website was www.rncancerguide.com. And will it have your rates and how to contact Contact you on there? Um, it has had a contact. Uh, the rates we just talked to over the phone, but I basically told you what they are anyway. They don't change. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering are. in case anybody didn't catch capture that. So. <laughs> well, and I have to tell you, I was when I first started the company. Um, you know, I, I was not. I'm not a good salesperson. I mean, I, I think nurses make no, no, I would agree with that. Yeah, you know, so I am not either. Well, you know, and you I want to give I, everything. That's and our nature. I did do that. I did do mm-hmm. that. And, you know, my my director of our ECAP program, who's now our CEO, she looked at me and she's a breast cancer survivor. She's 36 years old and she got diagnosed uh, at the age of 33, had six surgeries and four rounds of chemo in one year. And she looked at me and she said, you're very valuable. And if you continue to give this all away, we won't have a company to help people. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got it. I understand. It's a, it's a hard lesson to learn that you have to be able to pay the light bill and, and, in order to be able to carry out your passion. Yeah. So, you know, even, even though you uh, want to help everyone, you do have to have some funds coming in. So I totally understand that. Um, so how is it going with the, um, with the new program that you're trying to build up with the taking meds? I know that um, pharma is really big on anything that will uh, help with med compliance for two reasons. We know that over 60% of the scripts that are written never get filled, um, as well as we know that they may get filled, but they, the refills is even greater that it won't 
uh, happen that it's it's like over 75%, maybe even 80% won't get refilled again. So compliance is a huge factor. And, um, you know, how, how are they responding to this program? Well, um, when I looked at the different programs, and I let me backtrack a little bit. The reason the program was developed is I had a patient that was 85 years old. And the patient basically said, I have chemo drugs coming to the house, but I don't know what it is. And I was floored. And a lot of times patients are told what they're going to take, these complicated regimens, these complicated therapies, and it's usually after a full day at, at the office or they just found out they have cancer or it's come back. And that time to teach somebody is, is probably one of the worst times to teach somebody. So um, when I found out that this was the case, that this gentleman was getting this drug, I thought, how, how bad is this? I mean, how, how, how rampant is this problem? And started looking into it and realized it was really bad. And you're right, a lot of scripts aren't filled, especially if the copay is $500. And when you talk about chemotherapy medications, you know, unlike an IV drug, when it's given to you in a facility, you know, that drug is written by the, the physician. It goes to the, the infusion center. Two pharmacists look at it. You know, the nurse dresses up like she's ready to go on to another planet. And <laughs> the drug is, is given to the patient. Well, with oral drugs, which make up 26% of chemo treatment, what happens there is that hopefully the weight is right, hopefully the height is right, and hopefully they wrote it right, and now that drug's being sent out to your house. There is no stopgap. Um, the only thing that happens is there's, there's a physician program called medication therapy management, treatment management, the MTM program, and those pharmacists get involved through your specialty pharma, but it's still not the same. So it was really important to say, okay, where is the issue? So looking at 43 different um, programs, there's a lot of things out there that signal you should take your medication, you know, whether it's a a glow cap or whether it's a timer on your cell phone or whether or not the medication, these expensive delivery systems where the door pops open to the drug when it's time. That's all fine and dandy, but that doesn't tell me that they took the pill out and then they decided to give it to the dog <laughs> or, you know, they <laughs> saved it for the next day. So, you know, with oral chemotherapies, you know, they work on a 24-hour system. So if that drug isn't taken within a certain time period, that cancer cell is going to replicate. And that's something a lot of patients don't know. They think that they build it up in their system that they can skip a couple of days. You can't. And Absolutely. It's, They're it's, used to doing that. They're used to doing that with their blood pressure medicine and stuff mm-hmm. like that because sometimes some patients, it comes down to the light bill or my medicine. Right. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. So what we did is we said, okay, let's design a program that our nurse goes into the home instead of the patient bringing their calendars and their empty pill bottles and everything else that you know that they filled out probably right before they got to the doctor's office. Um, so it's like, it's, it's like when you talk to a diabetic and you say, bring me in your numbers and everything ends with a zero, you pretty much know that they <laughs> filled it out before they brought it in. So it was, it was important to go to the, to the patient's home and say, okay, first off, let's do a learning assessment. Can you read the bottle? Is your vision good enough? Can you read the bottle? Um, can you handle the pills? Are your hands shaky? Can you open the bottle? Can you, um, who's going to give this drug? Is it going to be the wife that's having some dementia issues or is it going to be the pregnant daughter-in-law who's pregnant and should not be handling this drug because it's toxic to the fetus? That's right. So, you know, the other thing too is, is it in their language? You know, maybe they can't, maybe it should be in Spanish and it was written in, in English. Maybe they can't read at all. So maybe we need to work on the sun and the moon and kind of put some drawings in there. So that was the first thing we looked at. The second thing was the distress issue and doing a distress tool and saying, okay, emotionally, are they ready to handle this? Do they want to take this? Or are they taking it just because their family members want them to fight? Um, Are they depressed? Is there intention that they're going to hide this drug? Then we look at the financial aspects. Like you said, can they afford it? If not, then we need to find them means to afford this drug. So we, we do all these things, and then what we decide to do while we're in the house is we're going to look at all those medications that they forgot to tell the physician. <laughs> so it's going to be all those supplements that they got 
um, that would treat anything from a planter's wart to, you know, the worst case of cancer. Um, we're going to look at all the beta blockers that were given by three different physicians, all the medication they have, and make sure that the pharmacy and the doctor know exactly what's going on and what's going to interact. And then we start talking about the chemo, and it's important to say this is what you're going to get. In the case of Zolota, which is a drug that's given for colon cancer, we can sit there and say, you know what, we're going to have you go out to CVS, get some rubber gloves, get some utter cream to protect your hands and protect your feet. You're going to, do, you're going to wear the gloves when you do dishes. Um, these are the things that this drug can cause. How is it going to act, interact with what you're taking nutrition-wise? There's a lot of drugs out there that if you drink grapefruit juice, actually makes them inactive. Patients don't know that. Um, Absolutely. The, other thing, Absolutely. The, the thing is, did they get their drug with other drugs? So what I mean by that is, did the anti-nausea medicine come with this prescription? Pretty bad to get your chemotherapy, and then you're supposed to be getting anti-nausea medicine and it's on prior authorization, and you start taking your drug and you're sick. So we have to make sure, did everything come out that was supposed to be with that drug? Was that sent home? And what is this drug going to do? Is it going to lower your... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Platelets. Is it, you know, what, it, what it can you expect? If you're a business person and you have meetings left and right, we can tell you, you know what, in two weeks you're going to drop your counts or you're going to start dropping your counts and in two weeks they're going to come back up but you're gonna be extremely tired. So don't plan any business trips. Don't do anything about this time frame until you get through it. What's your plan B? You know, if, if you start to feel sick or you start to get these little purple dots called petechiae, that means your platelets are low. You need to call the physician. So we go through all of that, which to me is priceless because I think one of the things you have to do as a navigator or guide is you have to educate the patient. And just like your program, if you educate people and you tell them what to expect, they can handle it. It's Absolutely. And, and, and I know this is your first exposure to me, but you're preaching to the choir here because I actually created the only theoretical model for patient education that's out there. Um, so I know a really good book you should read, The Literate Patient. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> it I is, want a science uh, copy, though. That's what I want. That's right. It's uh, no. It's patient literacy, uh, the metagogy model, and um, and it it that's what my work is all about is is um, framing information so that the patient can receive it, taking into account that a patient didn't sign up to be a student. So how do you present the information to them? Yes, we need you know our basic learning principles and theories, but how can we be effective? and making sure that as a patient, a person who is carrying probably the heaviest weight they'll ever have to carry in their life with them at that time, how can we make sure that they get it, they can digest it, they can use it? And so that's what my work's all about. So I know I can help you out with that program because <laughs> that is that I also created a tool that is the only tool out there that sh where a patient could communicate where they are in their understanding and in their ability to use that information. So it really helps you and where do you go next and what do you need to focus on as an educator. So very excited about what you're doing because you're that's we're in the same church here. It's all working out. Um, but I wanted to share a funny story with you, too, because it just shows with the whole medication uh, how people really don't appreciate what 
what they're taking sometimes and that they do use it as a, a dispenser for anything in anybody. Um, a friend of mine who happens to be a uh, specialized physician um, and uh, I were going to an event last week and we stopped by another friend's house to pick her up and her her husband is on Neurotin and he's on it for pain and for those that don't know Neurotin is a very strong uh, drug that has to do with how the um, the activity of your nerves actually exchange information and how they will continue down the pathway. So it actually slows down the firing of your nerves so that the nerves are kind of um, dulled a little bit. So you can see where in pain it would, um, it would help out because you won't have such intense pain. But they use it for several things. I mean, it's most commonly used for people who have seizure activity to try to to dull out those nerve firing so that it won't, um, you won't have as many seizures. But anyway, so when we walked in, my friend says, well, um, I need to know, can I give my dog uh, one of uh, her husband's Neurotins? And I'm like, what? And I said, what dog? And so me and my friend that's a physician walk over to the dog and the dog weighs maybe three pounds with shoes on. And um, so we're like, you're going to give that dog his Neurotin? And she said, yeah, can we do that? And I was like, well, um, I think you need to call your vet. And maybe if she licked it, it would be enough, you know. <laughs> but anyway, she she thought her dog was having seizures. And um, so she went to give it a Neurotin. So, you know, I mean, Neurotin is a very potent drug, and it's not, it's something that builds up in your system. It's not something you're just going to give and immediately have an effect. So, that lack of knowledge can be very, very dangerous. And so, I can see where we're. <laughs> well, he didn't have that, I guess. I don't know. Benadryl probably would have done a lot more. But anyway, so um, I, I just thought that that was a, a funny coinkadink in trying to show the real need for that medication understanding. So we're going to take a break real fast and um, let you hear uh, other events that are going on out there. And then we'll come back and we'll talk more with Susan Shear and hear more about the wonderful work that she's doing. future is shining bright Our future is written in the stars Proudly we to stay And we're learning today For a better tomorrow Our future is in our hearts And we carry it till it comes today When we'll have to decide What is wrong and what's right To live without sorrow we for three years, maybe longer And every day will keep us on the run We'll have to say that life is getting stronger But not at least we'll have so much fun Our future is shining Probably we to stay and we're learning today for a better tomorrow. Our future is in our hearts and we carry it till it comes today. When we'll have to decide what is wrong and what's right to live without sorrow. Just 
Welcome back to The Literate Patient. We are so glad that you are with us today. We are uh, enjoying the information that our guest today is sharing with us, and that's Dr. I mean, that's Susan uh, Shear. Sorry, I just promoted you, Susan. Um, <laughs> Susan is an RN, and she is an oncology nurse, and she is the CEO and founder of RN cancer guides and she has been giving us a lot of good information not only about her company and what they do but also about a medication program that they are starting and we went to break whenever we were talking about the medication program so I'd like to kick it back to you Susan and see what else you would like to share with us about this program. Um, well, I think, you know, pretty much I talked about how we're helping patients, but I, I really want to talk to um, to caregivers and patients about the financial resources that are available out there. And I think it's really important that when you are getting medication that you can access any kind of patient assistance program from the manufacturers, and that can be for pretty much any drug. Um, the other thing is there is a $4 list. Um, usually Target or Walmart, depending where you shop, has that list of $4 drugs that are available. And down here in Florida, I don't know if you have a Publix up there or not, um, but... We're building one in Louisiana. Um, well, there we're you building go. one actually in Baton Rouge. We're pretty pumped about it. <laughs> well, we're Publix, you know, country down here, so... They actually have um, a free medication program, so you can get a 30-day of lisinopril. You can get 14-day 14, uh, 14 supply, two-week supply of antibiotics, and you can get a 30-day supply for metformin for free. So okay, awesome. Now, is there is there a um, income cap or anything that no, you need to fall into? Not for really. Anything. That is very interesting. Yeah, the patient assistant program, sometimes they, they, for different manufacturers, especially chemotherapy medications, they will do some looking into the, your income, but the other ones, that's just standard. And you can go on the websites, whether it's Target or Walmart, and look for the $4 medications, and they'll have a printout. Um, the other thing, too, is there's a website called GoodRx, and with GoodRx, you can actually put in the name of the drug, um, the quantity and where you live, and it will give you, it'll shop for you and tell you where the best prices are. Wow, that is phenomenal. And is that .com? That's .com at GoodRx.com. That is See, awesome. that would have made up the cost to pay for us. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that is phenomenal because that's something that will keep giving, you know. I mean, because if you're going, if it's a, a, a drug that you're going to be on for a long time, like for a chronic illness or something, you know, uh, that will help pay off beyond you, you know. So that's awesome. Oh, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the other thing, too, is patients have these very large copays now. Um, especially with the changes in healthcare, and you know the deductibles are much higher, and so it's important to get as much bang for the buck as you possibly can, and that's where I see healthcare going is it's going to be more consumer driven, and that's why people like you, like myself, it really takes a you know kind of a boots on the ground uh, type effort to get these patients through all these experiences in their healthcare. Um, I don't think it's going to be government. I don't think it's going to be big industry. It's going to take what we do. Um, you know, I, I agree it's, with that. It's it, And it's that connection. It's that relationship between the provider and the patient. I really believe that we're moving towards a transparent system. And that means that um, the patient not only knows what we know because we've told them, but they also know why we're doing what we're doing or why we're asking them to change, to change their behavior, which is the hardest thing you can do. We all know that if you've ever been on a diet, we all know that. Um, so, you know, that transparency of our thoughts. But you know, one thing I'll always bring back to providers is what have you learned from your patients? And that's where on the provider side, we have to change the way we look at patients because um, they are coming to us for help. 
but they're, they know exactly what they want from us because I don't know anybody who signs up to go sit in the ER waiting room for four hours or even their physician's uh, waiting room for, if you're lucky, 30 minutes. Um, I, I always ask providers, would you sit in your waiting room to see you? Because wow. some of the time frames are ridiculous and people access us so we can help them be independent again master over whatever's going on with them and move on. So they don't come to us because they like it. They come to us because they need our help getting independent again. So we need to be transparent and they also need to be transparent with us so that we understand what they're going back into, what's going on in their life. As guides, do y'all actually physically go into their homes? Mm-hmm. We go into the homes. So you get to learn a lot more. Oh, yeah. We actually, you know, we don't just treat the patient or, you know, we we also treat the family as far as emotionally is concerned. I mean, obviously not medically because we can't treat, um, but, you know, we disseminate information and support both role models. They're just as important. It's just as important to keep the spouse of a cancer patient healthy as much as it is the patient. So, and I love that because to me, the caregiver has been the overlooked hero for years. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. And it's it's important to find them the resources that they need and also to relieve a lot of that guilt. I mean, so many people take on, you know, I should be doing more, I should be doing more and it's like you you're doing great. Let us just handle it now. Let us just, you know, we'll take care of it. And a lot of our patients, even if you're getting really good care, the common thread is they don't feel like they're being heard. You know, usually what's happening is the doctor's asking, you have any more questions as they got one foot out the door? And they don't feel like they've been addressed. And what's normal for some, you know, healthcare providers, you know, seeing the same diagnosis over and over, obviously this is not normal for the patient. So this is as frightening as is new to that patient. Um, so it's very important to remember that empathy and remember where other people are coming from. And when we go in there, we ask those questions that, they wouldn't even know how to ask or what to ask. We just say, okay, what's important? What do you want to know? And then we kind of add to it. For example, we might ask them about, um, did you run a KRASC, which is a, a, a genetic marker on the pathology? Because we know as oncology certified nurses that that mutation is going to depend whether this chemotherapy works or not. That's something the patient wouldn't even begin to, to know. And when we come in, we're not coming in as lay people. We're coming in as very experienced, you know, many years behind us, talking the same language and just as respectful um, medical team. But breaking it down so that the patient can digest it and actually use it. Because we do, you know, God bless the healthcare system. Um, everybody is limited on their time and they are trying so hard to get everything out. But what we don't realize is that we really overwhelm people. And um, you know how the old uh, saying, you had me at hello? Well, <laughs> you lost me at cancer is what yeah. happens with your patients. Yeah. So, um, and so somebody needs to realize that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We walk out and we say, okay, now what did you hear? Let's go through this again. And it actually it limits a lot of phone calls to the providers because we're able to sit down and disseminate all that information. And then really, is this something you want to do? What is the difference between a phase one trial and a phase three? There's huge differences. Um, you know, talking about what worked before, what didn't work before. Even when it comes to survivorship, we do a lot of survivorship plans for patients that I love that. That is awesome. That is awesome. Could you explain that a little bit, a survivorship plan? Explain what that is. Sure. A survivorship plan is when patients have already gone through their treatment and they're told by their their medical team, okay, we're good. We don't need to follow up as close anymore. Frightening. It's extremely scary. Um, When I've heard from my patients, they felt like the rug just got pulled. Um, Someone delay. The, uh, the length that are increased the length of time and say, you know, no, can I see you in, in five months instead of six or can I see you in three months because they're just so scared. What if, you know, this brain tumor, all of a sudden the headache comes back and I don't know if it's a real headache or whatever. So it's very important to support those, those patients. And they usually have conditions related to their chemotherapy. 
which is the peripheral neuropathy, or maybe it's constant hives, or maybe it's reconstruction surgery they have still yet to do. Um, a lot of different aspects, fatigue that hasn't resolved. Um, so it's very, very important to say, okay, let's develop a plan. First off, let's make sure we know exactly what you took because a lot of times patients finish their therapy, they don't even know all the medications they were on. They don't know all the chemotherapies. They didn't realize, you know, if something happens down the road as far as a, a consequence of, of the treatment you went through, then at least we can look back and say, okay, we understand. She was on this, 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 and this. So we, you know, develop this plan. We, we pretty much uh, uh, write down everything that the patient went through um, and make sure that they carry it with them in their files or wherever they go and address all the issues that they had to deal with. I love that. Now, um, on the opposite side, what about whenever you take in a patient? Do y'all do any of their end-of-life planning with them? Do y'all help them establish that? Every single patient. <laughs> Every single patient. <laughs> I figured as much. Yeah, that, that comes actually, um, that is something I'm very, very passionate about. I just have a, a 27-year-old patient with an inoperable brain tumor, and I had to talk to her about this right up, right up front. And my theory is this. I mean, I was in critical care, so I have a critical care background. I did ICU, and I saw patients in ICU that uh, weren't told that they were close to their, you know, they should have been in hospice, and they went into the unit. Like I said, when, when you have patients with that, 65% of cancer patients die in the hospital and 23% in the ICU. That, that's just wrong. That's horrible. So mm-hmm. it was something that I actually... Um, one Christmas, it was about three days before Christmas, I had a patient. She was in her 40s. She had five boys, the youngest being 14 years old, and went shopping, uh, Christmas shopping, and um, she ended up in the hospital, couldn't breathe. She was told that her cancer had progressed into her lungs, but not to worry about it. She had plenty of time, and so she didn't tell her family. So I came in at shift change, and I actually was there when she passed. And oh, my gosh. It, they were totally, the one of the sons was about to get married, and had they had known, they would have moved it up. Had they had any idea what was happening, they were totally blindsided. And I was very angry. I was so angry because I thought no one has the right to tell somebody. I mean, it's okay to have, it's great to have hope. I mean, no one's God. No one knows you know, sometimes it's not even the cancer you're going to pass away from. I mean, you could get hit by a right. car or choke on a piece of meat or whatever. Um, but to take that option away. So I, that, I can now talk about it without actually crying. I mean, it was very upsetting at the time. And one of the things I said I would always do is talk about advanced directives and living wills. And we even talk about, you know, physical responsibility as far as you know, there are people that don't realize, I know in the state of Florida, that if you leave your home to somebody who's not in your family and you pass, if your medical bills are high enough, they're going to sell that house. Now, if you give that to somebody in your family, they can't touch it. So, you know, anything ranging from that to the, you know, the healthcare um, surrogacy, the advanced directives, and I tell the patient, it is your responsibility of anything I ever ask you to do. It's why you're lucid, and what, and I have one. It doesn't mean I'm going to pass, but I have my paper. I have one too. Absolutely, exactly. it's it's it, you choose what is quality of life for you. Exactly, and and it was very important to tell these patients, this is your responsibility. Please don't leave this up to your spouse or your parents that have to watch you suffer to figure out what to do and live with that kind of guilt. Don't do that. It's and, a great gift to give someone to free them of having to take on that responsibility. I, I absolutely agree with you on that. And and that for that reason, we have 100% compliance. <laughs> I don't the blame fact you. Might be twisting their arm too, but. <laughs> Uh, no, I think that's wonderful. I um, also think that it's important that whoever they make as the um, person who's going to make that decision for them, who's who's responsible for that call, that they have to be able to step up to the plate and actually follow through with it. And that that needs to be something that's talked about because I know a lot of times you'll have people that that um, 
whenever that emotional time happens, they they don't they don't think they can do it. And so you need to make sure that whoever's chosen to do that, um, that they can follow through, that they will actually be able to carry it out. To me, that's very important. But look, Susan, I hate to do this, but I have enjoyed visiting with you. And I know that we need to wrap things up because we can't uh, run over here. Um, I really appreciate all the information that you shared with us. Uh, Again, your website is rncancerguide.com. And this has been, yes, guide.com, guide, not navigator. That's right. Um, And I would say uh, we like to do takeaways. And I would say uh, one of the takeaways was the med compliance that you talked about and how we need to take our meds as they're prescribed and that we need to be very vocal about what we are taking and what we're not taking, as well as the different resources and that there are things out there for you that can actually help you pay for your drugs and that goodrx.com is a great place to find out the best cost for the drugs that you're actually on in your area. This is Melissa Stewart. I appreciate everybody for joining our um, our show today and I hope that you learned a lot and that you're taking away a lot of information that will be beneficial to you or someone that you love. Thank you very much for being with us and I hope that you have a great rest of the day. 